Okay, what a start to the turn tragedy into opportunity. So we've just had a few issues in the uh, studio, but we've got Deborah on the phone tonight. How are you going, Deborah? I am doing very, very well. Um, <laughs> Considering what's happened. So this is a perfect opportunity for us to drive that opportunity and facilitate and create success <laughs> against what happened tonight. But um, Deborah, from the day that uh, you unexpectedly wake up in intensive care, you've refused to be labelled or consider yourself a victim. So... Um, with tenacity and dedication to your research and education, you've created methods and processes and adopted various therapies to establish an enriched life after trauma. Tell us about your, your journey and what actually occurred. Actually occurred, yeah. Well, thank, thank you so much for, for having me on the show and, and, um, and, and asking me that question. Um, it's, yeah, I, I, many years ago, um, just over 20 years ago uh, now, when I was... Uh, I was driving home from work and it was a week to the day after my 19th birthday and I hit an oil slick on a slippery highway. Now my birthday's in January so it was hot, hadn't rained for a week, there was an oil slick on the road, just started raining, so really poor conditions. I hit an oil slick while going around a bit of a curve, a bend in the road and I don't actually remember this myself because of my injuries. Uh, however, okay. from the witness statements in the police report, I was told that I, I lost control of the car. So seemingly I, I, I fishtailed and then got scared probably and put my foot on the brake, which is the worst thing that uh, you can do in that situation. Didn't know that back then. Um, and I went to the gravel on the side of the road, the back of my hatch lifted up and did a 180 and ended up bananaed around a telegraph pole. Oh, wow. Sheesh, how scary is that? Yeah, and that was in my 1985 Toyota Corolla Seeker, which had no airbags. Oh. Yeah, well. Wow. Yeah, the impact was on the driver's side door, and the steering wheel was pretty much in the middle of the car with me trapped in there. Oh, God. Yes, so that was, um, I'm very lucky to be alive. My injuries were catastrophic. Uh, so whilst I didn't break any bones in my body, uh, I did have a uh, partially collapsed left lung and bruising and bleeding to the lung. Oh, gosh. That is a very, very minor injury in comparison to the main injuries, which was, uh, well, to be very direct, I, I quite literally smashed in my face. Oh. oh. So it's a bit blunt. Should have put a warning on that. Um, <laughs> and I did. I, I had multiple facial breaks. Um, so I broke my, my lower jaw, um, upper jaw, cheekbone, oh, my forehead, my nose, and the upper jaw and cheekbone on the other side. So going around from the sort of my right side to the left. Uh, the worst break was through the sinuses in the front and, and um, the, through the skull base, which is what your brain sits on internally, if you can imagine that. So through that, that broke into multiple sort of... Wow. Yeah, and that, that's called um, traumatic brain injury uh, and puncturing to the layer around the brain. So uh, the prognosis was not good. Brain damage, blind in the right eye, uh, physically not looking like herself. Mm. To be blunt, she won't be very pretty. A future relying on other people, you know. Um, and are you hearing these conversations while you're in yeah. hospital? Sorry, I lost and missed that question. Are you, you hearing these conversations whilst you're in bed in hospital? 
yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was told that afterwards, and I could hear things. Um, I could hear uh, as, as I started to come to a little bit more. I could hear, you know, and, and they come in uh, every day and ask me the same series of questions. You know, who is this person next to you? And it was my mother. You know, uh, and um, you know, the, the, when I started getting a little bit of attitude about me, everybody was happy because at one point I went, "Well, it's my mother. Who do you think it is?" <laughs> She's back to herself. <laughs> I think. I, I think, you know, my very drugged and, you know, brain-swelled state, drugged and brain-swelled state, you know, I say drugged painkillers, et cetera, antibiotics, et cetera, I think I actually said, my mother, you idiot, uh, at one point. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I wasn't really in my right mind, was I? But, uh, yeah, look, I, I've had my face uh, reconstructed, metal pins, plates, and all sorts of other fillers and injectables and implants and things. I had... Um, uh, neurosurgery, brain surgery, uh, and I, I'm very proud now to say that I, I beat every medical odd against me, pretty much, with the exception of maybe a couple of minor ones. That is absolutely amazing. I mean, the traumas would have been quite deep. And uh, um, what was your defining moment that led you to turn that trauma into opportunity? Because obviously, so deep, and it, yeah. it, it would destroy most people's lives. Yeah, yeah, and and and, and it was. It was really, uh, I'll share a story if you don't mind. Go. To, yeah, stories are great. To, yeah, to, because it really was a, a defining moment. And when I was in the hospital, um, the mirrors were covered. Uh, I had caught a glimpse of myself at one point uh, and it didn't go down well. Put it that way, you can imagine. You know, mm -hmm. a 19-year-old young girl, my face was out there. You didn't recognise you yourself, know, yeah. Oh, my, and bruising and swelling and, you know... Uh, and so they covered the mirrors to, to um, reduce any more trauma <laughs> to, to my situation. Um, once I had the initial major facial reconstruction, which was uh, inserting of, of plates and, and things. Um, and, and how many times are in surgery to, for that to actually occur? Because there's multiple surgeries, isn't it? It's not just one. Multiple. Yeah, yeah, it's multiple surgery. So initially there was the initial facial reconstruction, which was really uh, the bones, et cetera, um, and the, the brain surgery. They really had to wait. They had to wait for the swelling to go down in my brain for the brain surgery mm -hmm. and also in my face. So, How long did that um, take? Uh, I was in hospital for, uh, I think it was five, six weeks off the top of my head. Um, oh, now that I think about it, I was in hospital for, uh, and I, I, I kind of beat the medical odds there too, interestingly enough, uh, and it took, um, it, yeah, it took about, I think it was a week or so before they could actually operate on, on you know, they had to stabilise me first. And I'm very fortunate I was put into optimal circumstances, so pure oxygen to the brain to prevent secondary injury, which is what would have caused brain damage as such. Um, uh, and uh, obviously risk of infection, et cetera, with the, the facial breaks and things like that. So... Uh, yeah, so that that was the initial surgery. Since then, after going uh, home, uh, I've had other procedures and surgeries uh, for my breathing, for my eyesight, for um, the movement of my eye aesthetically as well. Uh, yeah, I think I've always lost count <laughs> now as to, uh, to how many there is, but there's, there's been quite a few. So um, but that, that, that defining moment uh, was... Once I left the hospital, um, I was in, went to the Victorian Rehabilitation Centre um, and I was sitting in my own little room, on my, my bed, and it, 
And you were obviously you were obviously exposed to other people um, that received trauma as well, weren't you? Being in a rehab centre. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. And this this point, this defining moment was one of my first days there um, because I was really it was quite I was quite foggy and I was really thin. I was anemic. My my jaw had been wired, so I couldn't eat because I broke my upper and lower jaw on the right side and my upper jaw on the left side. So, you know, um, (laughs) plus, you know, when you've broken your face, sugar is not exactly the most comfortable thing. So intense Um, trauma, (laughs) intense trauma. Intense trauma, yeah. And did you have triggers as well? Yes. Yeah. And that's something that came later. That's something that came later, absolutely. Uh, So your first day, yeah, initially your first day into rehab, Yes, yes. So my first day into rehab, and it's very much, it's like an instinct that kicks in initially. It's very much survival. And, you know, I, I was trying to escape the hospital. You know, I tried to escape the hospital wearing nothing but my gown, you know, <laughs> like holding my drips. <laughs> it's when the Wonder Woman, yeah, Wonder Woman sets yeah. in. Good on you. <laughs> oh, she's an alias. I tell you what. Um, and, but it was that, that was in me. That It's almost like a defiance, like, no, no, I'm not. I'm not accepting yes. this as my reality. Yeah. And 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 that's that's probably a good point to lead leading to this defining moment as well. Because I, as I sat in that little room, I I noticed that there was a little basin, and above the little basin was a mirror, and of course that mirror wasn't covered. Oh. Yeah, and I remember thinking, oh, my heart sank. I can't, I can't, I don't even have the words to explain that, oh, mm. that feeling. And then I thought. Oh. Go and look, Deb. Oh, wow. Go and look, Deb. you got to face it. Go and look. And I got up. I don't know how long it took me to get up or how long it took me to get to the thing because I was pretty weak, you know. Um, and I got there and I, I had my head down. I remember looking at this little basin and I had my mm. head down and I was thinking, look up. And I thought, okay, you know, and again, I don't know how long, but I, I looked up and I'll never forget it. I looked up and I looked hard. And I cried. <laughs> I tell you now, yeah. I cried because I was not looking at who I remembered from a physical point of view or otherwise. Uh, Is that when grief I, sets in too? I mean, you have a myriad of, of emotions. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. It was this this wave of oh, oh my god, this is real. This happened. And. and Instinctually, in that moment, this is the defining part here. This is where I learnt my my biggest lesson, I think, in life is that I felt fear, so we instinctively retreat in fear. Mm. Mm. Now, instinctively, I, I oh, and, and as I felt that feeling, and and, and I, I almost stepped back and I, I looked in that room, and then I was looking around that room, and I was thinking, I could hear that she won't, she can't. She won't be able to. She won't look the same. She might be relying on you for the rest of her life. I could hear these things again. I was looking at this little room like it represented all these limitations. And I thought, I don't want this. Mm, good. And then something happened, which was it, I flipped it. So my fear of not having the life I wanted mm-hmm. was bigger than my fear of what everybody was telling me. So I went, no, I don't I don't want this. And I, and I thought hang on a minute, what do I want? And then I, I, I this, this is, these words have stuck with me and I use this technique to this day now purposely. You know, I looked at myself in the mirror and I went, okay, Deb, you're here now. What are you going to do? So 
focus, focus forward, not thinking about what I was being told I might not be able to do, or even the life I thought I wanted or that I wanted beforehand, looking at you're here now, acceptance, painful acceptance, but I'm here now, I can't deny that. What am I going to do now? What can I focus on? How do I want to live? And I wowed them from the next day onwards. I was released from rehabilitation early. Amazing. Was there a lot of pressure too? I mean, the external validation that you get from your looks, you know, that that, that, Mm. uh, society places so much emphasis on on the external rather than internal. Was that very hard for you as well as a female? Initially, when I looked in the mirror, I, I was... Well, he made me. I was a young woman too. I was nineteen, and 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 I remember I taking the scarf off my head because I had a scarf that covered because half my head was shaved from the brain surgery. But I had a um, scar that runs ear to ear across the top of my head. So that was from the brain surgery, and where some plates were put into my forehead as well. And I remember looking at that shaved head and the freshish scar, and I just crying more and and. And then I thought, well, I'm alive. And it's interesting what happens in this moment where, yes, I cared about how I looked, of course, but at that moment, again, about the survival, what was more important was my life, living my life, Mm. what I wanted, the relationships. I didn't want my mother to be my carer. Mm Or my sister, or my father. I didn't. I, I didn't want to be missing out on on my friends. I wanted to. I'm a very um, adventurous and, and energetic and and um, uh, extroverted personality. I was and still am. And I didn't. I, I didn't want to lose my zest for life and all the aspirations I had for travel and education. And and I thought oh, that's what was more important. Admittedly, the part about my looks setting. Later, once things started to settle and I started on my path, that's when I sort of really looked and went, oh, 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 this actually hurts me that I don't look like me. And I thought, you know what? That's part of my vision. I want to look like myself. So the same thing. You're here now. What are you going to do? So I stepped forward with that and I had surgery that I didn't have to have. Really, I mean, I'd be healthy enough. I mean, there were a couple, but there was a few things for breathing and vision that really highly suggested. But I kept going with that, and I'll be honest, it was a, a ten-year journey. Really, uh, it was ten years before I, I truly felt comfortable looking at my reflection. Yeah, what a journey! But I persisted. So, yeah. So it's uh, it's, it's interesting how I priority. Um, lesson on, on what's important in that now, situation this, as well. Yeah, this is amazing because, I mean, obviously you've got a company now where you teach people how to turn trauma into opportunity. I mean, yes. you, you've written a book, you've um, yes. got workshops and, and seminars and, and you're a great speaker um, throughout the world internationally as well. So what does this, uh, you know, turning trauma into opportunity actually mean for you through, through your and, experience? And, and, yeah, yeah, and it's and, and this was the you know I sort of I coined the term tragic opportunity, uh, and it, it stuck while I was doing a uh, I was doing a writing workshop actually, and it, it stuck, and it's now the the name of my business, tragic opportunities, and and it, it was really because I, it, I I found a description to what I'd been doing, so 
the basis of you know my coaching and, and my workshops and, and uh, whether it's on trauma or, or wellness or corporate as well, corporate well-being, business, there's always this element of of channeling our power to create opportunity from stress, adversity, trauma and challenges. So basically to explain what a tragic opportunity is, the tragedy is the trauma, adversity, challenge, stress that we experience. The opportunity is the the lesson, what we can learn from that experience and how we choose to use that knowledge to improve ourselves and make decisions to improve our life and our relationships with others. So that that's the, the, at the essence, that's at the core of it. So the lesson is what we discover about ourselves in situations of stress, trauma, adversity, challenges, etc. So the, the opportunity then is how we address and consider these discoveries about our, ourselves mm. in a way that enables us to positively change and improve ourselves and our life. So this is where we, we can dig up really, you know, trauma has a way of digging out other, lifting out other trauma too. However, it gives us an opportunity to go, well, what's my belief system? Why do I feel that way? Why do I respond that way? What's behind that? How can I change that and make myself better and improve my life and my behavior and my health and my relationships? Um, so, so that's really what, uh, what that is. And I, I, I follow a process and I teach a process about that as well, a two-part process about that as well which is, there's two components to it, which is the personal assessment. So that's where you assess your emotions, behaviour, beliefs, and then reconsider your perspective, focusing on what you have discovered about yourself. So that's where the lesson is. And then you take the action plan in step two. So create a plan, drawing on the lessons and insights from that personal assessment about yourself and what you've learned, and then making decisions with confidence because you know more about yourself. So as you can then create a plan and take the steps to ch- change your life and where you are at. I mean, nothing changes without action, so I'm all about doing. How much resistance do you get from people who've gone through trauma? And, and that's and that's an interesting one. It, a lot of the time, by the time I get to someone, all <laughs> yeah. uh, the workshops that I do, they're, they're in a place where they're looking for an option. Great. You know, they want to change. Um, and, and and so they're open to hear it. And and what I'm I very conscious of doing is is raising the objections, like talking about that, because that again is actually part of the process. Mm. Part of the process is the objection, the fear, the resistance, um, because it's about it's about um, really the the the, the biggest things that. that the challenges that people face really when, when they're, they're trying to navigate their new path and face their, their trauma and find opportunities is what I call the, the two F's. So fear and focus. So that's really, fears arise basically when we challenge our our old way, the ways of doing and being, you know, as we question our beliefs, as we move into a new direction, we fear judgment. We fear rejection from others. We fear failure. Yeah. Yeah. We question our abilities. Um, what if we're not good enough? You know, it's, it's we're talking change at a massive level here internally, and it's and it's scary. You know, my life as I knew it. What does that mean for my relationships? And and the other struggle is focus. So it can be difficult to navigate, um, especially due to fear. Um, it's difficult to navigate and, and focus uh, clearly because uh, you know fear is such a powerful emotion. But what's really wonderful is that focus helps manage fear. 
So when we focus on what we want, we help, we help to extinguish fear because all of a sudden we're looking at something positive, what we want. So the, the, the fear shifts. So what we focus on, we create more of. So if we're focusing on what we're scared of and why we're scared, we're going to be more mm, scared and yeah. paralyze us. If we channel our focus to what we do have, what we can do, and what we've survived, we gain confidence. When we start focusing on how incredible we're going to feel once we've achieved our goals, and as we gain momentum, we gain motivation and gain more confidence. So it's really taking people through that process to address the fear and help them refocus and then create a plan and help empower them, help them connect to that within themselves. Do you find when people dig deep, they find that they've got new skills as well? Absolutely. They never thought they had, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. People, and, and it's, it, it's amazing how sometimes the worst scenario, the worst circumstance um, brings to light a skill that you never knew you had uh, or, or perhaps had an inkling you had but weren't addressing it for 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 whatever reason. Interestingly enough, some fears disappear. We gain new ones, but some fears disappear. Like, for example, uh, I come from a musical family and I'd actually always wanted to sing, but I'd been scared. My, my grandfather had the most incredible voice and he was a, a wonderful <laughs> guitarist. Gorgeous. And a bit, a bit intimidating, you know, and I was, it meant so much to me, I was scared to do it. You know what? After what I went through, what I went through, I remember thinking... Oh, I'm not going to hold my life back. Oh, great. I want to do it. So I did it. Fantastic. It, <laughs> <laughs> it was worth it. It was worth it. You yeah. know, I've some great memories because I've got created some wonderful memories and wonderful connection with my, my grandparents because oh, of it. Oh, beautiful. So, That's gorgeous. Yeah. yeah. So what are some key points from your perspective and experience, obviously, that, that has helped you embrace change and move to a new reality after facing the trauma? And, and that's really the, the key word there too, isn't it? The new reality, yeah. our, our perspective and 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 our feelings change. I mean, who we are doesn't change as an essence. No. However, our perspective changes, and so you know our behaviour changes, and some you know, how we relate to others. You know, it's very common that these are some changes that occur. But three key points for me, uh, and that I find uh, as a pattern with others um, as we talk through it through workshops um, and and. Uh, coaching uh, is acknowledgement, harnessing the power of choice, and then commitment and action. So acknowledgement is, and I can't stress how important it is to acknowledge how you feel mm. now, yeah. as you are now. So it's taking actively taking the steps to identify what you want for your future now. Not what you wanted before, it's almost like a clean slate. But it's, it's a matter of going, how do I feel now? Because things shift. Um, uh, acknowledging the changes in yourself. So, so as you can evaluate and learn to work with them rather than against them. For as long as we resist the changes within ourselves, it, 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 you're going to be beating your head against a brick wall, so to speak, as the saying goes. Um, it, it's so, so important to identify and pursue what makes you happy now as you are now. So this offers you the opportunity to expand your life and, and, and find create something new. I mean, it's for me personally, I found it incredibly liberating to realise that I could authentically reinvent myself. Yeah, great. I mean, we all can. And what I've learned is that we all can at any point. 
but this was something so liberating. Like, yeah, I'm me. I feel a little different now. So, okay, well, what floats my boat? <laughs> what, what what makes me? I mean, for me now, I mean, I I was always the person that was there to help others and and mm. put my hand up and 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 you know, my mum always used to say, you know, you, you're like a psychologist, uh, although you're so young and you haven't studied it kind of thing, <laughs> you know, you're, you're the go-to person for everyone. Yeah, and you're a natural. the thing is, my heart was always there and this experience and then the, the study that I did following and, and, and um, the dedication that I've had to, to, in, to learning in this space um, has allowed me to actually use, use that. Um, so it, it's just, I mean, that's brilliant. I wouldn't change that. The second point is the power of choice. Interesting. So mm. one, thing, one, one thing I say to people, and this ties in very, very nicely into authentic reinvention, um, is you have the choice and the power to begin again at any time and to create a new identity and to design your future. So again, for as long as we remain focused on the past, and this is a big one here, for as long as we compare our life to how it was, we're holding ourselves back from growing and attracting opportunities, which will bring us happiness and fulfilment. So, you know, it's change, especially sudden change, um, such as, you know, my, my accident, um, it often creates a strong sense of loss. So yeah. it's vital that we realise that we don't, we never actually lose choice. We always have a choice as to how we respond to something. So... If, like I said, if we if we choose to pursue an, a life that we had before that doesn't suit us anymore, we're not going to be very happy. Yeah. If we choose to stay focused on what we want now, how we feel now, and honour that, we've got incredible opportunities in front of us. So, um, this is an incredibly powerful um, insight to have because you can then set goals from that empowered state of I've got the choice, I've got power, I'm empowered. Oh, I think that's I'm, great. I'm yeah. not feeling lost. Um, and that, that, that's where, you know, with your choice, you get specific. So the next part there is the last part, commitment and action. So set the standards for how you want to live and stay committed to achieving the life that you want. So it's about deciding and being open-minded and flexible, of course, but taking action is the key point. Uh, if we don't take that first step, you know, we're not, not going to climb Mount Everest, so to speak. You don't climb Mount Everest overnight, but it's about taking that first step, looking up something. Um, and for me, that first step was one or two extra steps the next day. Like I was being pushed yeah, in a wheelchair yeah, prior, yeah. you know? So life won't improve unless we take, create a plan and take action. So it's about breaking it down, setting goals, taking action, and absolutely celebrating every tiny little win because wow. that's what keeps you motivated. What were you doing to celebrate? I, I was... Very fortunate to have an incredible uh, support team. So my mum, my sister, my father, my friends, um, an extended family. And, and interestingly, it's about sharing with others. It's also the medical team that are around you, having a great uh, team. Um, and I extended that team after I went home. I, I looked for additional, um, you know, I, I went above and beyond uh, rehabilitation, so to speak. Uh, it's, it, it's about, even if it's by yourself, do not underestimate the power of doing a solo happy dance yeah. because I can tell you. <laughs> I tell you what, move your body, celebrate, you know, high five someone, get excited. And and the, thing, the amazing thing about getting excited yourself is that, you know, you create, you give others 
permission to do so as well, um, which is incredibly empowering for others too, and that's really rewarding. Uh, but having people be part of your goals, so sharing, like, for example, with my mum, you know, one of the things for me was I needed to gain weight. I was really thin and, I, you know, muscle degeneration. I, I, I wasn't strong, so yeah, it was like, yeah, I need yeah, to eat healthy. I need to get to a gym. So I yeah. said, let's get to a gym. Let's wow. do a program. Have a trainer that I'm accountable to. Um, wow. And my mum, oh, what are you weighing now? Oh, that's better. You're fitting me into your jeans. Everything was falling off me prior. So, yes, awesome. Let's go shopping to celebrate. Let's, you know, these things are really important. Um, what do you do if you have a negative base, like like people around you, like you know the um, the feedback that you're getting through the hospital? Um, mm. You know, I mean that that must have sat inside your brain for a while. Like, yeah, yeah. And, and and what's interesting about that? And, and I mean, like some of it was, I I learnt a lot more about that on reflection. Uh, I must admit, at the time. And I knew this, that there was a lot of care. And there's, in ICU, in intensive care, you know, it, it's flat out, it's full on. And, and, and um, that, that, those incredible surgeons and doctors and the nurses, I can't, I mean, my respect for the medical system and nurses is just, I, I don't even have words. But, you know, the job that they do, it's, it's hard and, and it's um, and absolutely incredible. And they they need to provide the statistics. They need to be yeah. provide the statistics to the family as to what might happen. Yeah, and they they go by you a know? textbook, don't they? Really, and and, and, yeah. and they have to and by on, you know, uh, and 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 they have to because you know, they they were, they were good at, at at holding on to hope, but at the same time, saying look, these are the odds, though. You need to be prepared for this, though, because. You know, and and I understand that now. At the time, it was a, it was definitely hard to hear, um, but that was what was good about the rehabilitation, which was like let let's see what we can do. Though, um, so it's about looking at it from a clinical perspective and not being afraid to question the limitations. And 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 if if the, you don't feel as though you have a support team that 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 um, that can encourage you, create one. And I know this sounds, and I, don't, I may sound a little controversial here, but, you know, we need people around us, especially in that situation when we're looking to rebuild our lives from stress, injury, trauma, adversity, challenge, whatever it is, um, that, that, that are part, that are in line with us and support us. And if, if perhaps for whatever reasons, family don't understand or they can't or they have their own stuff, or fear, yeah, fear. Or fear, because, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. it, it, with the most pure of intentions, yeah. uh, you, you can get wrapped up in cotton wool, you know, uh, so to speak, you know, the expression. Uh, it, it, it's, it's very much about, uh, oh, be careful, don't you get swatty, swatty, because nobody yeah. wants you to get hurt yeah. any further. The thing is, though, if we don't take a little bit of a chance, mm. we're going to get stuck there. So it's about, you know, making sure you have the right advice from your doctors to, you know, you can't go challenging the limits without making sure you're safe to but it's about you know getting the right advice research i did so much research i when i came home i realized that my brain didn't work the way it used to i have an acquired brain injury so my brain function is different i'm very lucky that it's not a cognitive or learning uh, problem uh however i do think differently and i do i do learn differently and i needed to adjust to that and i I went that step further. I looked up different things. I went and sourced a professional and I, I gained skills to help 
to help support rewire my brain, I found conventional and unconventional methods. I built a support team mm, around fantastic. me in addition to the fact that I was already fortunate enough to have a good support team, but I needed to do that as well. But we always have that, that choice to do that too. Yeah, that's big. Yeah. So they're basically the keys that are imperative to address, you know, changing your life or, or creating a new reality, obviously, that you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. Yeah, be honest with yourself. Let go, you know, acknowledge how you feel, where you're at. Let go of the shoulds. Live authentically. I wonder if your, did your friends treat you any differently? Um, initially, well, yes. I mean, I was not myself, so to speak. I mean, you know, these sorts of major, major injuries take a while to settle. Um, at the same time, though, what, what I loved was that they still invited me to go out to, you know, a, a bar or a club when I when I was strong enough to. And, you know, I did. I, I remember the first time I went out to a bar, I had still had half a shaved head and I put a, a hat on, a beret on. And at that point, my eyelid was closed and my eye was fixed and dilated. So I, I'd, um, I'd lost, um, the, the, there was nerve damage to the nerve that controls your eyelid opening and closing. So my eye was closed, my right eye was closed. I'm very grateful that I'm not actually blind, which is great. Um, but, you know, I, and there was, at that point, still um, that right side of my face was uh, sunken a little lower and, and, you know, you could tell something had happened, okay? It was pretty obvious. Um, you know what? I put makeup on my, my one eye and, and my lipstick on and I dressed up and I went out. Because I didn't want to miss out on doing things with my friends. Good on you. I got stared at, but I did it anyway. So it's about still doing the things that you enjoy. And I tell you what, boy, did I did I gain strength from that? Did I gain strength from that? Because I realised, you know, what's more important is not how I look in this situation. It's important my connection with my friends, my friends, and what I want to be doing. I want to go out. Nineteen. I wanted to go out to a bar with my friends. You know, I wanted to go shopping because I loved quite, I loved fashion at the time. I was actually studying fashion. Um, it's actually an interest as opposed to what I was going to do as a job. But at, I was young, fell out of school. Um, and I wanted to do that, so I did. And and it was incredible. Uh, so it was, and, and again, going back to, to another key there, which is focusing on what you do have and can do. So, okay, yeah. and my face is like this, but that doesn't mean I can't do things. Again, preventing focusing on what I want to do and the enjoyment of that rather than focusing on the fear of what if somebody stares at me. Yeah, great. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think there's a key characteristic I can feel in you too that, that it, it's not defiance. It's almost like I don't – oh, it, it's hard to almost verbalise what I'm feeling. But um, I can see it's imperative to address um, or move forward in your life. It, it's almost like a defiance. Um, you can have your opinion, but I'm going to do this anyway. And I can feel that thread throughout this journey of yours, yeah. And and uh, I think it's it's a key element which is driving you ahead. I can feel yeah. that. I can really feel it. Yeah. So yeah, absolute determination. <laughs> and what I uh, what I say is uh, relentless pursuit. Yeah, yeah. And I, I basically I had a horse riding accident uh, about wow. twenty years ago, and wow. I was told that I wasn't going to walk for about three months or so. I basically did what you did. <laughs> Stuck yeah. up the middle finger and off I went. Yeah. I walked yeah. like a crab for about a month or so. And those um, 
friends that were at uni with me will laugh about it, but uh, I walked sideways for about a month crossing Elizabeth Street, but um, it was yeah, quite but humorous. But but I did it, yeah. <laughs> so funny. But um, So yeah. some advice on how to face your fears, basically, that continually come up, because obviously you get triggered um, continuously, don't you? Yes, yes, and, and, and uh, to be completely honest, I have a, a complex post-traumatic stress disorder uh, and um, anxiety disorder, which I have uh, worked with and, and learnt to manage, and, and things do come up uh, uh, as well. Um, and so, that, that, I mean, that's a whole other side of this <laughs> as well. Um, and again, it's about finding solutions and, and ways to manage that and educating myself and, and um, again, being absolutely determined. Um, and the key to that was acknowledging it in the first place. Uh, however, when we look at facing fears, um, it's, you know, really change can create fear because it's unknown territory. You know, where we think and feel that we don't have control uh, or choice. Um, well, what the good news is is that we can work with fear by reframing it and shifting our focus, which is basically what I've been talking about. So fear is an incredibly powerful emotion. The thing is we, we often categorise it as bad. The thing is, it's not actually bad. Emotions really aren't good or bad. They just are. Yeah, they are. So yeah. it's, it's the story that we attach to them and how we judge them. And when we sit with that initial, we, we sit with that judgement that, that possibly creates to an unfavourable um, or bad, so to speak, um, experience. So it's when we consider something bad, we, we procrastinate, we're even paralysed. We give up before we even try. We don't even look at the possibilities. So the, the sensation of fear um, can also lead us into an anxious state, which then clouds our judgement even further and prevents us from moving forward. So... What's, what I've found key here is, is very much about you know, harnessing the power of emotions and fear and, and all feelings, really, all emotions, and understanding that it's a signal. So when that fear comes up, go, okay, I'm feeling, okay, what is this? What is it trying to tell me? Because we've got that power of choice to refrain it from what we could say is something bad, but instead to say... There's this, this is a sign here. There's an opportunity here for me to address something. What am I afraid of? Is it this situation or is it something else about this situation? Is it something that, about myself I need to face that's actually causing the fear? And then when you get to the core of it, it's often a really great, or most of the time, or if not all the time, it's a wonderful opportunity to really make some incredible changes. So it's about really learning to appreciate the feeling of fear. It's telling you something. It's telling you there's something that needs to be addressed and that you have an opportunity to, to, to have strength. You know, the, the, we feel fear in parts of our body, you know, specific thoughts. We know the start with, well, what if? You know, recognise those thoughts as, as a signal. And then the, the power of pause. You know, when we have that feeling, we, we often react if we just drop the judgment and stop for a moment and just take some slow deep breaths and it sounds so simple but it actually it works because it's, it, it puts you centers you again and it also quite literally provides more oxygen to the brain um, yeah. taking slow deep breaths through your nose for 10 seconds holding it for 10 seconds and out your mouth for the count of 10 seconds and then holding again for 5 to 10 seconds if you can do that 5 times um, 
your, your whole nervous system settles down and you get more oxygen to the brain and you calm yourself down. And from that calm state, you can think about, well, hang on, how can I appreciate this feeling? And then acknowledge that you're courageous because I'm feeling this and I'm here. Okay, what, what, what am I going to do now? So, this, so as soon as we are grateful for a signal, whether it's a, a painful one or a fearful one, as soon as we're grateful, we extinguish the fear because we, 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 we become grateful and we shift our focus to what we can do. Now, Deborah, you obviously deliver programs, workshops and seminars and um, yes. you've appeared on health and wellness television programs and podcasts and radios yes. in Australia and internationally and you've obviously... Um, you're speaking of methods and processes and therapies that have helped you through those darkest days. What are some of these tools that you found, you know, um, and through research that you've utilised that help you and obviously others in your workshop to transform? Yeah, and, it, 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 and, and that's really what's key is, is, is having those, um, those processes and, and having um, uh, really, really having a sense of... of um, a tool that you can go to, I suppose, as well, is a, is a good way of looking at it. So for me, um, like I said, I, I um, the tragic opportunities uh, process, as I, as I put it, you know, personal assessment, action plan, so constantly um, and always coming back to myself um, and, and looking at, you know, how am I feeling here and what, what does this what does this mean? Um, additionally, from there, it's, it's what I call the uh, revival plan formula, <laughs> which is what I have. Um, I've detailed um, a lot of methods and processes and techniques in my book, quite specifically, and I, I put that under the umbrella of the tragic opportunities process and the revival plan formula. And what that formula is is is, is a, a, a tools to to uh, harness the power of emotion, but also to to stabilise our mindset and, and to create a vision of our future and to create plans and take action for that. Um, also to to create confidence, actions to take to, to create confidence, um, daily um, exercises and rituals uh, to, to put into place, like, for example, a, a, um, an I am list. So, you know, whenever we want to change our life, it's vital that we, we, uh, we focus on that in the present tense. So if we say, I am going to, or I will, I'm going to, I will, it's always in the future. So it, it doesn't happen because we're always saying it in the future and the future is mm, always mm-hmm. tomorrow and there's always a tomorrow. But if we say, I am, like for me, on to this day, on my mirror in my bathroom, there is, I am bold, <laughs> brave, yeah. courageous. Strong and yeah. resilient. Love it. And I look Love at that it. every single day. Because Go you know, when I get a feeling when I feel weak or I feel scared, I see it. And I remember I am bold, brave, courageous, strong and resilient. Those affirmations and are amazing. Yeah. Straight away. So that's um you know, that's definitely uh definitely you know, a very, very powerful one, um, you know, to do. Uh Looking at conventional and unconventional methods as well, like for example, for me, um, uh, exercise, health, nutrition, uh, and finding specialists in these areas as well. Uh, looking at um, you know physical fitness, mind wellness. Looking at um, for me, acupuncture has been incredible for anxiety, sleep, uh, physical 
well-being, uh, kinesiology as well, um, absolutely um, incredible insights. And also a cognitive behaviour therapy, like actual clinical, you know, for me, like I said, complex post-traumatic stress disorder and anxiety disorder. I just thought, you know, clinical help, of course I did. And I've gained incredible tools, which, which um, have taught me so much about myself. So it's a matter of, again, creating that support team and, and taking those tools from, and, and using them. Um, you know, the action is, is, is the key to it, um, like I always say, and I've said, you know, numerous times in this, uh, in this conversation, it's, it's the action that, that creates positive change. So um, we're coming to the end of the show. Um, let us know where people can find you um, if they want a workshop, um, seminar, come to your seminars or even your book, Your Tragic Opportunities Process. Um, so let us know where people can actually find yeah. you on Facebook. Have you got a website yeah. as well? I do, I do. Thank you so much. So my website is um, tragicopportunities.com. Um, my book can also be purchased from there. Uh, it's also available um, digitally on um, Amazon by Kindle. Fantastic. Uh, as well. Okay, available uh, digitally. So a couple of yep. there. A hard copy is uh, directly through me, um, through my website. And um, I'm also on, on Facebook. Um, yeah, so if people yeah. need workshops or they want you to come and speak... Yeah, oh, they can contact me directly through um, my website. They can contact me directly through my email, which is um, info at tragicopportunities.com. Great. Um, and, of course, via Facebook, so Deborah Stathis, author, speaker, coach, Instagram. Instagram? Instagram, yep, same. Um, so it's um, Tragic Opportunities by Deborah Stathis. Uh, and, uh, of course, LinkedIn, my name, Deborah Stathis. <laughs> so... Um, I'm lucky. That I don't think there are many, if any, other Debra's. <laughs> I haven't really come across anyone else with my name. So um, looking me up, obviously I've got a personal Facebook account, but my business one is my, 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 my business page, which is um, Deborah Stafford's author, speaker, coach. Yeah, and Deborah um, is D-E-B-O-R-A-H. It is indeed, yes, Deborah. Deborah, my grandmother would say, That's beautiful, gorgeous, yeah. (laughs) Now, you're a wealth of knowledge. Thank you so much for coming on to the show and thank you (laughs) talking about trauma uh, before. We had to segue (laughs) around um, onto a different phone, didn't we, Um, We to get you onto the show. So (laughs) thank you so much for shining your character and and, uh, being so resilient. Um, And we apologise to our audience for that um, issue that we had previously, but we got around it. We got around it. We haven't got our technician here, but we're, um, we got around it. So yeah. we're just doing it on our phones. <laughs> so hopefully this comes out on the podcast, yeah, and it doesn't affect Thank the quality. You. Thank you so much for coming on to the show. And, Brett, have you got any final thing to say to Deborah, even though you're far away and your mic's not working? Yeah, no, you probably can't hear me from the side of the desk, Deborah. but thank you so much for coming on. It's been great to have you on the show, and thanks for sharing your experience because those lived experiences mean a lot to yeah. different people because there's so many people that have experienced trauma in their life, and many people just yeah. get stuck in that trauma, and they don't really know a way forward. And so you know, I think your, your key points there of acknowledging what the trauma is and knowing where you currently are at and then making the choice to, to move forward, but then taking the action is the important part. So those three steps are so important. So simple, and pro- but yet so profound at the same time. So thank you so much for sharing thank that you. with us all. And uh, yeah, thank you for being part of the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Um, I, I'm absolutely thrilled. And, and um, I'm, you know, for, for me, my, my 
literally my heart and soul is in my book and in everything that I do now to, to help people live their best life and, and create success. So I, I thank you for the opportunity to, to share my insights and talk about my book on your fantastic show. Thank you. Right, you're a thank jewel you. to our community. Thank you so much for coming on our show. Brilliant. Thank you. All right, talk soon, Deborah. Thank you. All right, bye-bye. You're listening to 87.6 FM, 3ABR, The Wellness Couch, and we're your host, Brett and Katarina Morrison. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.